Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Katalina Albanu and in this episode we'll find out more about closed networks and how they can be of use to journalists. When we talk about how journalists use social media for news gathering, we focus a lot on verifying information in breaking news situations or on the ethics of contacting eyewitnesses online. Most of the user-generated photos, videos and details journalists use in their stories are posted publicly on Twitter or Instagram. But there's an entirely different world out there that at this point in time is a mystery to most journalists. Many people have retreated to closed groups on Facebook or WhatsApp to discuss politics, for example. So how can journalists learn more about the discussion taking place in these groups, as well as the group dynamics? To find out more about how reporters could be using closed groups, Mark Frankel, social media editor at BBC News, undertook a five-week research trip to Harvard. His findings were published earlier this month, and he also gave a talk at journalism.co.uk's News Rewired conference, presenting some highlights from his research. Here's what he told delegates. I'm Mark Frankel, social media editor for BBC News. I'm going to follow on from a bit of this group chat in a second, but I wanted to focus uh, my 10 minutes, if I've got 10 minutes just, on invite-only spaces, closed networks, and the kind of things that we as journalists struggle to do because we feel we have to operate in an open network. I'm of the view that um, social media largely has become an exercise in two things. One, journalists marketing things mostly to other journalists, tweeting about stuff that they're proud of, putting stuff on Facebook pages that is reflective of their output. Um, And then the other thing, which is what we talked about a lot at other conferences and, and events, which is misinformation, trolling, abuse, hate speech, you know, the poison, if you like, of social media. But I think there's a third way, not to borrow a Blairite's uh, overused phrase, and the third way is in some of these networks. So um, three key themes I'm going to cover very briefly, discovery, trust, and ethics. On the discovery, those of you who can't read all of this, um, there are people that inhabit these networks, but it's really, really difficult to find them. On the trust side, the biggest impediment for journalists in this space is, is establishing trust because if you're trying to get into a closed space how do you get into that closed space and not either disrupt it or get inside it for the wrong reasons because you're undercover they don't know you're a journalist they then take issue with you it becomes a battle between you and the people inside that that network and that brings us to the ethics um, challenge which of course is how do you properly participate how do you build those meaningful experiences and meaningful connections so um I had some questions. I just spent five weeks at Harvard um, working on some research, which I've just published yesterday. You can find it on Neiman or on my Medium blog if you've got several hours of time this evening and you're finding it difficult to sleep after the football. Um, feel free to read it. But there were three questions that I posed myself uh, posed to myself when I was there. How easy and appropriate is it for journalists to join groups and communities intent on peer-to-peer online discussion? What issues and barriers are there for those journalists building, for, building meaningful connections in these spaces? And finally, how much of what can be observed in these forums would you wish to relay to your colleagues? So you might see stuff but never want to publish it or never want to do anything with it. So um, 
who here, stick up your hands up, um, who here has heard of Nextdoor? Got one hand, two, got three or four, actually, that's probably more than I expected. Nextdoor is a hyper-local forum that's very active in the United States. It's actually pretty active here in the UK as well. Um, it's grown phenomenally large. It's all about where you live. You join up, you can get the app on your, uh, from the Apple Store, wherever you get your apps from, um, download it. You have to verify your name and address, where you live. It's based on your location. You suddenly get inside a neighborhood. You get to know all your neighbors. The brilliant thing as a journalist is it's not just about how to find a good plumber or how to find a good carpenter, um, but you also can make connections. You've suddenly got local contacts. People start talking about a local um, transport initiative or a new housing initiative. You've suddenly got people who feel strongly about local issues. You can get inside their networks, you can forge alliances and groups with them. It's a fantastic opportunity for journalists. They also have a news feed inside there and public agencies inside there. Um, I don't think there are very many journalists who are using this in the way they could. Again, I go into a lot more detail on this in, in my report, some of the opportunities there. Here's a couple of screen grabs of just some of the agencies and news organizations inside. They run polls, you know, one of the news agencies I discovered was running a poll about a local housing initiative and thousands of people living in this local area who are participating in it. And it was a very quick way for them to get a snapshot of opinion and then feed it into their news story. We all know about WhatsApp. We all know about Nick's research uh, into um, the spread of um, usage of WhatsApp, particularly in countries where other networks are, more, uh, are less available. People are using it more and more. We know that it's becoming a big problem in the misinformation universe. One of the things I wanted to explore was could WhatsApp be used in another way, not just um, for us to sort of ram home this idea of uh, false news spreading, but is there an opportunity for us as journalists to participate in group conversations in WhatsApp? Well, one of the things I discovered, I, I spoke to a lot of people in India, is that there are lots of groups that are working to verify news on WhatsApp, but there are also lots of groups that are organized politically. Um, one of the fascinating things about WhatsApp in India, where there are over 200 million active users now, is there are th literally thousands and thousands of people who are using WhatsApp groups to build connections with local people. Um, the BJP, the ruling party, is particularly active in this space. And I spoke to an Indian journalist who um, is, has been monitoring this quite carefully over many, many months. He got a tip-off through a friend to a number of BJP-controlled groups and joined them. What was fascinating to me when I spoke to him was just the sheer variety of groups that are out there that provided you could find a friend who is in one of them, you suddenly have access to a whole series of activists, members who are knocking on doors, who are talking about the BJP in different ways. This is also um, happening in Brazil, where WhatsApp is particularly active. Um, it's also happening in other parts of Europe, in other parts of uh, America, and in Asia as well. Um, the interesting thing about that screen grab with the scrub things, uh, scrub numbers, is that each one of those five uh, WhatsApp groups, are, they're, they are totally different groups. But what happened, this uh, journalist told me, is on one particular day, they all unilaterally changed their avatar to the same image, which for him was an indication that they were all being controlled by the BJP. 
So there he, he suddenly had a story because he had been following these groups thinking that they were all focused on different initiatives and he suddenly realised that they were all basically part, you know, operations of the same party machine. And he wrote a really fascinating story how, about how the BJP was controlling the narrative in India for a particular reason. How many people in the room, another show of hands please, how many people in the room use Discord? Fantastic, nobody. How many people uh, are active in gaming? How many people like to go and, and, I don't know, play video games? A couple of hands going up. The gaming industry is a brilliant way in to closed social networks and fascinating conversations. I spent five weeks uh, as part of this research looking at conversations that uh, gamers, particularly young people, because they tend to be, uh, were having in Discord servers. Discord is a gaming service. It's a gaming platform. It's been going for a few years. There are over 130 million active users, a lot of them in the US, quite a lot in this country, other parts of Europe, in Canada, South America as well. Um, the really interesting thing about uh, Discord is if you can get in and you can join the right servers, and there are political servers, there are servers uh, where people are discussing LGBT rights, discussing mental health, all sorts of newsworthy topics, you suddenly have a world of uh, stories and opportunities at your fingertips because you'll suddenly be put into touch with people who you don't normally talk to in news output, news programs for your publications who have very, very strong views on things. I found a Discord server where people were talking about gun ownership and gun licensing in America. You can imagine how interesting that could be. Um, people who had been former Navy SEALs, who'd worked in the military, sharing anecdotes about their usage of AK-47s and so on. It's not just about hate speech. These were potentially case studies for stories that we might be wanting to work on. Um, I can't show you a lot of this because, of course, I would get into trouble, you would get in trouble, it's largely anonymized, which brings me to the kind of central point I want to make about Discord, which is the vetting process. A lot of the servers that you might want to join, you have to go through a vetting process in order to join them. And there's a, some questions that you probably need to think about and ask yourself, how much do you want to reveal that you are a journalist? How much would you be prepared to go undercover? How much is it important to say up front what you're trying to do? I suppose it depends on the story, it depends on your background, depends on your publication. But these are really important things to think about. Final two things I want to mention. One is I look specifically at closed Facebook groups. And on one particular day, I just looked at Brexit, the term Brexit and, and Facebook groups generally. And what I discovered is that a huge majority of the groups that were on Facebook were to do with Brexit were closed. I think of the 129 groups that I found, 60% um, of them were closed groups. So what do you do then as a journalist? How do you enter those closed groups? It's pointless talking about open groups if the only way that you can join them is by joining a closed group. So there's a vetting process, and I've given you a little screen grab there of one UKIP uh, supporting one with with two questions, and one of the things I ask myself is, could I ask, answer those questions without um, corrupting myself as a journalist? Uh, that's how I chose to answer them. Uh, I didn't reveal myself to be a journalist, but I answered the questions, and I got in. And when I got in, I suddenly found myself in front of a whole series of people that, as a BBC journalist, I would never have been able to talk to. 
Um, so then the next question was, well, what do I do with these people? Can I now contact them? Can I have conversations with them? How open would they be to talking to me? But it's another world, and it's another thing that's worth thinking about. Final thing I wanted to mention was Reddit. Now, Reddit is not a closed platform. It's an open platform. But a lot of journalists go on there, may spot something, and then disappear very quickly. There's a lot more that you can do on Reddit, and there's a fascinating podcast that I strongly encourage you all, if you're interested in Reddit, to go and listen, uh, listen to. It's called Endless Thread. It's being made uh, out of Boston. Um, I went to meet the guy that uh, presents it. He features in my report. He talked eloquently um, about how this entire show is aimed at finding stories from communities of people who lurk or, or spend lots of time on Reddit. And we found the most fascinating uh, stories there and, 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 and discussed them in a, in a lot of detail. And um, that led me to a list of very useful subreddit communities, all of which I felt had something to offer journalists. Um, feel free, I mean, again, this is all in my report, but feel free to explore at your leisure but there's definitely more value in being there. I've got a few takeaways to finish with. Why are you there? That's the key thing. Be clear about why you're there. If you're wanting to be undercover, that's a, that's a perfectly re valid reason to be there, but you, I think you need to understand that there are risks inherent in going undercover. Um, do you need to be undercover is the other question then, or do you need a VPN, a virtual um, private network? I, when I was on Discord, I did everything for a VPN so that I didn't, so that my digital profile wasn't as easily trackable. Because frankly, some of these guys uh, who are on there are pretty horrible. You know, some of them are great, some of them are there for the right reason, but you've also got a lot of far-right fascists, nationalists who are there for the wrong reason. And the diversity of your newsroom is essential. This isn't a point I've made so far, but I can't stress this enough. We have a teen mums closed Facebook group at the BBC. I couldn't join it. Um, I wouldn't want to join it. I couldn't even be an administrator of it. And if you haven't got a diverse newsroom, how do you run a closed network strategy for your newsroom? Um, so that's the last question or thought I will leave you with. You've been listening to the journalism.co.uk podcast. If you have used closed groups in your reporting and want to share your experience, get in touch by tweeting us at Journalism News. If you missed this month's News Rewired conference, we've got some good news. Our next digital journalism event takes place on the 7th of November in London and there are currently discounted tickets available. Go to newsrewired.com for more details. Thanks for tuning in.